brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. The Gospel of the Lord. If you had asked me three months ago who Lori Laughlin or Jussie Smollett were, I wouldn't have had a clue. Even if you had shown me their pictures, I wouldn't have known if they were an athlete or a politician or a musician. But in the last few weeks, I've learned that they're both television stars from two popular shows, Full House and the Netflix revival Fuller House and Fox TV's Empire. Now, I know this not because I binge-watched these entire shows or anything, but because of all the criminal activity that these two actors have been accused of and the nonstop feeding frenzy of news and fallout from both of these stories. Lori Laughlin was charged as part of this nationwide investigation into the, the scandal of cheating or bribing elite colleges and universities so that her daughter could get admitted. And Jesse Smollett, back in January, had made a report that he had had a hate crime perpetrated against him. And then a few months later, the police had claimed it was a hoax and charged him with filing a false police report and some other charges. And it's sad and it's actually frustrating to me that two people who I don't know and really had zero interest in their works, no offense, I hated Full House the first time it was on, and I've just never seen an episode of Empire, are now names that I know simply because I'm paying attention to the news and I just can't help reading the stories, if we want to even call this news. More often than not, Journalists are becoming more and more commentators who are offering opinions or editorials that are sometimes sandwiched in between different facts and aspects of these cases, which 
may or may not be fully accurate, but I digress. The reality is that despite all kinds of things that we should be focusing on, pressing issues, urgent concerns, humanitarian crises all around the world, instead the latest fall from grace or the next scandal or whenever there's an arrest surrounding someone who's in the public spotlight, those things seem to garner the most interest. People in the news business will argue that their ratings for their shows or traffic to their websites goes sky high whenever you splash these kind of stories on you know, their, their, their websites and stuff. That, that those are the things that people are more drawn to when there's something around a public figure who's having a major failure. People are more interested in hearing those things rather than, say, for example, something as horrific and revolting and evil as when infanticide was legalized in New York State a few weeks ago. None of this is a a new phenomenon. Despite how technologically advanced we've become with the countless forms of media and entertainment that are at our fingertips, stone throwing would still be as popular today as it was in Jesus' day. Think about what we just heard in that vivid gospel scene. Crowds were still coming to hear Jesus teach and break open these these scriptures that they had treasured for centuries in a a dynamically radical new way. Jesus is proclaiming to them God's immense and infinite love and mercy for his people. And he's telling them that everyone has an opportunity to experience that that precious gift, which can be life-changing if it's truly accepted and lived. And that's when these religious authorities of the day enter the scene, looking to put to death a woman who's been caught in adultery. Now Moses, they point out, an incredibly important figure in those beloved scriptures, had told them to do so, so they put Jesus on the spot. Jesus, all that talk about that loving, merciful God, deal with this. Is Jesus going to simply forgive this woman of this this horrible sin, which people would have seen as a contradiction to their scriptures, and that would have been seen as blasphemy, and that would have also been something that they would put people to death for? Or are you going to go along with her punishment and contradict everything that you've just taught your followers about this loving and merciful God? Jesus sees and he can hear the the cold and closed hearts as they put forward these two stark, sad choices before him. And in a brilliant move that left this self-righteous crowd hungry, who hungry to embarrass this woman even further and kill her, left them completely speechless while being faithful to and true to what he's been teaching. He simply says, let the one with the, without sin cast the first stone. We rightly admire that the twist that Jesus offers there that confounded and stunned the crowd and left them speechless and just walked away. But I think too often people learn the wrong lesson from this. That's not the end of the passage, and it's not the end of the lesson that Jesus is teaching here. Jesus is teaching us that all sin is evil. All sin is destructive. And all sin, to one degree or another, separates us from the love of God. All sin diminishes us 
diminishes who we are and who God created us to be. And all sin has to be confronted. But even more important, before we do that, Jesus gives us an essential starting point. And that is that truth without love is cruel and love without truth is misguided. Listen to that again. Truth without love is cruel and love without truth is misguided. So yes, Jesus does say, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone and neither do I condemn you to this woman who's caught in adultery. It's obvious he loves this woman and love is that essential beginning point in that interaction with her and with every one of us. Love of God and love of Christ, that's the foundation, that's the bedrock to the commandments. But, and this is an important but, we can't admit Jesus telling the woman, go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus is speaking truth with love, and he's telling her, this adultery has to stop. Because it's hurting her. It's hurting this man. It's hurting their families. It's just diminishing them. The sin has to stop. And not because if it doesn't, angry God is going to punish them and get even with her. But because the truth is, she's already living and experiencing hell. She's living a less full life than God ever imagined for her and for this unknown man. That sin has to stop, not because of the angry crowd either, but so that she could start to experience fullness of life now, the fullness that God's calling her to. And the same is true for that motley crew who are standing there with stones in their hands. They seem almost excited to find someone with fault, someone with sin, that their vengeance, their, their murderous rage can now be just desperately looking for that approval from Jesus so they can unleash it on this poor woman who's caught in adultery. Interesting, they forgot to bring the guy that she got caught along with. Whole bunch of questions right there. Maybe it was one of their friends. Who knows? But when Jesus doesn't feed into that bloodthirst, when he tries to get them to expand their hearts and their minds to hear and to consider what he's trying to teach them about who God really is, Rather than reevaluate and reflect and examine and change their hearts, rather than trying to imagine themselves being in that same spot, caught and known to be guilty and deserving of punishment, which every one of us, if we're honest, we can imagine for one thing or another. Instead, they ignore God's gift of love and mercy. They will stew, they will grow angrier, and they will turn that rage onto Jesus himself which we will recall next week on Palm Sunday as we hear Jesus' passion and death. Jesus himself will be the victim to people who forget and ignore that truth, that truth without love is cruel and love without truth is misguided. That's our challenge, though, as we enter these last days of Lent. When we decide to obsess on the latest celebrity or politician's faults rather than spending even a percentage of that time on our own sins, we're capable of doing the same thing. And the result kind of leaves us with two options. Either we start attacking one another, or we even turn on God himself. That's what scripture shows us, what happens with this group, becoming this murderous mob that will demand Jesus' death as they cry, crucify him. 
We don't have to join that mob. We still have time this Lent to turn off that cable news or our laptops, giving us the latest Lori Loughlin or Jussie Smollett case update, and instead reflect on how short each and every one of us falls in responding to God's grace, his invitations, his expectations, his commands, to take that opportunity to maybe go to confession and repent of those things and to be reconciled with God. Will we drop our own stones and drop to our knees and turn to the only one who can save us?